Project Taryag, Day 63, Mitzvah Shin Tzadi Zayin, and this is the Mitzvah of the Paradama. The two parts of the Paradama, the one is how it was brought and how it was used in the best of English service, and the second one it came for. So let's first talk about the Mitzvah of the Paradama itself, and that's the Mitzvah that one has to find a para, which means a cow which is three years old. Even if it's older than that, it's still kosher. It has to be tzmima, it has to be without a mum. Like all korbanas have to be without a mum, but it also has to be para aduma tzmima, which means it has to be completely red. Which means all the hairs on the para's body have to be red. If they have two hairs of a different color, then the para would be, possible would not be right to be used as a para aduma. However, when we measure, or we come to check it, we look at the hairs where they connect to the animal. If the tips of the hairs would have changed color, one could cut off the tips of the hairs and remain with the lower part of the hair, which would still be a perfect rate. The next thing of the paradigma is it can't have been used to do any kind of work. If it's uh, been used for any other service, so to speak, then it's possible to be a paraduma, even if it wasn't used to pull the plow. The mission says if one would put his talus, so to speak, on a paraduma, it would also be possible. Or if you're tied tie with the rope, in order to make it easier for the person, it would be possible as well. However, if he does something for the benefit of the para, then it wouldn't be possible, then it's not considered carrying the bird, then it's considered he's doing it to protect or to look after the para. The, the, uh, obviously, the paradam is very rare, it would be extremely expensive, and it would be the duty of the Lishka of the Beis Mikdash to pay for the paradam. If after it's been paid for, it becomes possible, or some of its hairs change color, then it is the Skadusha, and the Gizbar of the Beis Mikdash would sell it for Azkhulin and recoup whatever money he could for it. The Rach is that the person the paradoma is sacrificed, is shechted, but not in the Beis Hamikdash. It was shechted in Harazesim, facing the Beis Hamikdash, the place where one could see the shire, the gate of the Azara of the Kodesh, and uh, one would shecht the paradoma on Harazesim, as you said, facing that, and then he would burn it together with a number of other ingredients, uh, such as a piece of cedar wood and. Uh, Azov, which is some kind of a reed, and it will, it will all be burnt, the entire para, together with the other woods and things, until they all became ashes. But as we'll see, the next part of the mitzvah is that this ash, the paradoma, was mixed with water, and that would be then used to sprinkle on a person who had become in contact with a mace, with someone who had died, and therefore became tome both the tumor of a dead person and when he's had the water sprinkled on him on the third and the seventh day after he touches or after he came to contact with the mace that's the way he becomes pure again that's how he comes back to her the is that the person who burns the paradoma becomes tamer himself same for anybody involved in the burning of the paradoma he helps turn the para on the on the fire or a person who adds wood to the fire or stokes the coals, any of these cases, 
uh, since it's considered contributing to the dinner, the burning of the para, so those people all become tame. However, the person who prepares the, so to speak, the pyre on which the para is going to be burnt, or the person who collects the ashes, once they become ashes, no longer becomes tame. That's the din deraisa. Rabbanan added many, many chumras to the din of the para adama. For example, they would separate the coin who was going to bring the para for seven days beforehand, just like they did to the coin godel before Yom Kippur. They would sprinkle the ashes in him of previous para adamas with water um, during those seven days just to make sure that he was tired in case he, without knowing it became tommy. Same thing, he wouldn't need the base of Mikdash. And the water that they would use in order to sprinkle on the Kayan, who's going to do a paradoma, they would make sure to bring from somebody who had never become Tommy Mason in his life. And how would they ensure that the people who had never become Tommy Mason in their life? The mission tells us in the Sechaspara that they had a platform built above arches in Yerushalayim. Because that way, even if there would be a corpse somewhere deep in the ground, it would only reach the top of the arch, which was like a oil, and wouldn't penetrate and go above that. And they would bring ladies who were pregnant, they would give birth on top of this platform, on top of this chotzer, uh, and the children who would be born there would remain there for years, they would never leave the place, and therefore they would never be a chashash that they, that they were ever... Uh, stood on top of or were in oil of any summer. When they were nine years old, the boys, they would bring them to the Nakhla Shilach. How would they do that? Is they would take a cow or some other animal, they would put very wide pieces of wood on its back, and then the child would sit on top of the pieces of wood, and therefore also, since the piece of wood would be big enough to be in oil, if there would be any cavity underneath, it would only reach the oil above it and not the child. When you would get to the river, he would draw water from the shalach, go back on top of the boards on top of the animal's back, and that way you come to the base of Mikdash, so you could deliver the water in a way which there was no chashash that had ever come into contact with Tumah. And the cane that they used to hold the water made out of stone, which is something which is in the couple Tumah. And then they would mix the afer of the par with this water, and they would sprinkle it on the kain gadol. Similarly, in order to go from the Mesa Mikdash to Hara Mishcha, Hara where the carbon was brought, so the Kohen and Gedolim would build, would build themselves special bridges, so to speak, to cross the valley from one to the other one. And the bridges were built in such a way that there were two layers of arches on top of each other. So that way, there was never a point where the Kohen was directly being mile on the ground. There would always be and oil underneath him so that he would not become tommy from anything on the ground. And that's why we would get to Hara Zaysim where he would bring the carbon. Uh, one last point. Because it stoked him held differently, Hazal understood that the guy who brought the para could be at full yam, and therefore, when just before he shechted and the davoid of the paradoma, they would make him touch a sheret and be toivel. And that way he would be tar, but he would be still at full yam, and that way he would bring the paraschatos, which is the paradama. When it comes to the reason for the mitzvah, the chinuch says 
that even though in most times he tries to find an explanation of your pshat, which can help his sons or other people trying to learn, he says when he comes to the mitzvah of Paradoma, he's too scared to speak, because this is always brought in the Torah as the classic choik, as something where even the greatest, such as Shlema Melech, said, I was unable to fathom the depths of the mitzvah of Paradoma, or as the midrash of Hashem told Moshe, it's only to you, Moshe Rabbeinu, that I'm revealing the reason for this mitzvah for everybody else. It's going to remain a mystery. And therefore, the Kherif says he doesn't want to try and offer explanations for it. However, he wants to try and explain exactly what the point is, which is so, which is so unexplainable. And he says it's not the fact that the person who's shaykhat, the para, or gets, no, burns it, gets tamer, because that we find by other components as well, but the chatas which were brought in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and the, the rest of the meat had to be burnt out of the rest of the Mikdash, in the Makam Adeshin. so there also we find that the people involved in burning the carbon become tamer. And similarly, the fact that we can sprinkle water on somebody to make him tar, is not different to be found by Navoida, by for example, the Mutara, or other people in the rest of the Mikdash, and there's a specific process to make them tar. So what's the enigma of Paratoma? Says the Chinuch, I can do both simultaneously. On the one hand, it's something which is being used to provide tahara, and at the same time, it provides tumma for the people involved in doing it. Now, the Chinuch suggests, and he says himself, he doesn't have a proof of this, but it's just a, an idea that he has, and then he says, just like we find naturally, certain grasses or trees have certain properties which they can heal or cause damage. So he says that he's speculating if we understood how the spiritual side of a person's nefesh and what causes it to, so to speak, become tame or to become tar, so then maybe we understand the same thing that burning the paradoma is something which causes tumma, whereas once you, once you only have the ashes, Mixing it with water is something which would cause Sarah. But he says himself he doesn't have a clear proof of such an idea. The mitzvah applies there to Shon and Tanav and Migdash, which would be necessary in order to bring the Parah Adama. It's a mitzvah which is applies to the whole Kleish altogether. It was only brought by the Kongodal on behalf of the whole Kleish In the entire history of the world, there only have been nine Parah Adamas. The first one, Tanav Moshe Benu. The second time of Ezra, which means the beginning of the second verse of Mikdash, and then seven from then until the time of the Khurban, and the tenth one Ba'ez Hashem will be the time of the rebuilding of the future verse of Mikdash. Since the idea of Tyra, of becoming Tar from Thomas Mace, was such a central theme, even if it's no longer applicable to us today, nevertheless, Chazal instituted that it's something we should read every year before Shkhadish Nisan, and therefore the Kla Yisrael are to read the Parish of the Paradoma every year before Shkodesh Nisan, the week before Bashar Sakhaydash. Mitzvah Shin Sadiches, and that's a mitzvah which is regards to Thomas Mace, and that is that something which comes into contact with the Mace or is in the same, under the same roof as the Mace, is Tomei for seven days. We already spoke, spoke previously about the reason for Tomei and why it's the opposite of Kedusha. And uh, even though the Rambam learns that this is a mitzvah in its own right, the Ramban disagrees, and that is, he says that the, the Torah is just telling you 
that a mace is tame or that a person that comes into a country with him in any way is tame. But it's not a mitzvah in its own right, so to speak, except for the mitzvah which applies equally to every tame, and that is that he has to become tar again. Mitzvah shin tzadites, and that's the mitzvah that the water of the paradoma, which was you know, the water which was mixed with the ashes of paradoma, is metame the person who sprinkles it, and is metame the person on which it's sprinkled. We saw before that uh, after they had burnt the paradoma to ashes, that ash was mixed with water, and it was used to sprinkle on a person's tummy mace to make him tar. And the reason why the Torah calls it main nida is water which is thrown, which means the water which is not a mikvah which a person immerses himself in, but is thrown or is sprinkled on the person who's tummy. Here too we have the same enigma that the person who's tummy becomes tar at the same time that the person who's tar becomes tummy. The water has to be taken directly into a clea from a, a living source of water, which means from a natural spring. It's called Mayim and then once the water is in the clay, a person puts the ashes of the para on top of the water, that's considered being makadish the water, with the mechato, with the aper of the chatos, and then it's right to be used to sprinkle. Anybody is allowed to do the job of filling the water and adding the, the ash of the chatos, it doesn't have to be specifically a koyen. But a person has to be focused specifically on the menachah he's doing, and therefore if while he's either adding the water or carrying the water, he is involved in some other activity at the same time, he will make it possible. Similarly, with Rabbanan, a person who takes money in order to add the ashes to the water, Hazal declared the water to be invalid to be used as paradoma water. And this mitzvah applies in the time of the Besamikdash, both the men and the ladies, because in either men or ladies who tame need the water of the paradoma to make them tired again. And if a person doesn't become tar when he can, he's about to with mitzvah sase. Here too, the Rambam counts as a mitzvah. The Ramban says this is just part of the mitzvah of how to become tar. And the Torah is teaching you the procedure rather than giving you another mitzvah. Mitzvah tough, mitzvah 400. And that is a mitzvah of dinay nachalais, which means a mitzvah of giving out the inheritance of a person who died. The Torah clearly gives the rules of the order of priority when it comes to Dishing out an inheritance, it first goes to sons or their, or their descendants, and if there are no sons, then it gets given to daughters, and if there are no progeny, either sons or daughters, it gets given to the father and then to the brothers of the person who was nifted. The Apostlech says, There should be a statute in the laws of Klai Yisrael, and therefore to fulfill this requirement is this mitzvah of giving out the Nachalah. This doesn't mean that a person is not allowed to use his money or distribute it in his lifetime as he sees fit. What it means is, as soon as a person dies, then he loses, so to speak, his ownership of his money or his possessions. So then the Yoresh, whatever the halakhic heir is going to be, so to speak, immediately takes over that right, that schus, in the possessions of a dead relative. Therefore, even though a person can give out what he wants in his lifetime, as a gift, or even decide to give it to afterwards as a gift. But when it comes to using the language of Yerusha, which means how the inheritance is meant to work, a person doesn't have the right to deny the inheritance to an heir that Torah gives that right to, or to give it to someone instead of that. And therefore, if a person would say, 
he doesn't want his son to inherit from him, or he doesn't want one of his sons to inherit from him, it's null and void. That's the opinion of Chachamim. Rabbi Yechon ben Broker argues, and he holds that a person can't overlook a Yerush who has a priority, and therefore a person can't give it to someone else when there's a son. However, if a person has a number of sons, and he chooses that one of them should be the Yerush and not the other, so that he is allowed to do it, it will work. And uh, the Gemara is from a Pasuk, that a person can choose uh, which of his sons he wants to give his inheritance to. And the halacha is that he passed like a Bechamim broker, a person is allowed to do that with the exception of the double portion which goes to the oldest son, the Bukhar, the firstborn. That's something which the Torah doesn't allow the father to take away from him. Similarly, if a person wants to distribute his assets in Lashon Matana, he wants to give gifts to different people that he can do, but if he uses Lashon Yerusha, then he can't, so to speak, go against the order of the priority in Yerusha that the Torah gives, and only for the person who wants to distribute his assets in such a way, but for the Basin who's going to uphold the wall, they also over this Isser. The Rambam learns that the mitzvah of Yerusha is a mitzvah in the Basin to enforce the transfer of the assets from the person who died to his halachic heir. The reason for the mitzvah? The person should know that the world belongs to HaKadosh Baruch, who is in control of it, and he decides to apportion to who he should split each thing which is in the world. And that's uh, Hashem's gift, is the bracha that allows things to continue in the world. And would continue even in the same people, if not for the original barrier of the Etadas, which as a result of that people would stand to die. However, even if the person himself would die, the brach which Hashem gave him should therefore continue to whoever his heir or his continuation is going to be, his children. And in the case where he doesn't have children, then his nearest family member, because whereas given to him was either because of his chus or the chus of his family, or because Hashem intends it to be used by them for a certain function, and therefore they are given his nechassim in order to continue the function that he was meant or he was intended to do. The halacha is that Yerusha travels through the family of the father, not the mother, and therefore, as we said, the, the step-by-step division of Yerusha will be first a person's sons get, and if he doesn't have a son, then any of his son's children will get. And if there's no living uh, relatives from his sons or their children, or never had sons, will go to his daughters. Any of his daughters' descendants will get, if they went, or as well as his daughters, or in place of his daughters. And if he had no children at all, then it will go to his father. And if his father is no longer alive, then it will go to his father's sons, meaning his brothers. And if they also want to live, will go up a previous daughter to his grandfather, or to his grandfather's children, which were his uncles, and they will go to their descendants, and if there's, none, if there's no living family, they will go a high generation, and therefore the Menachala will keep going up a step, and then down to that person's descendants, and if there's no one, up another step, and therefore eventually there will be a relative who will be the first in line to receive the Eresha. A son who's a mamzel also is deserving of Eresha, However, a son who is born from a non-Jew or from an Ebed is not considered a relative and therefore 
doesn't deserve to get Yerusha. One more din about Yerusha, besides for blood relatives, is the fact that a man is Yerusha's wife. As Machlaik said, this is Midarai, so this is only a Takana Midrabanan. The Rambam adds that the din of the Bukhar gets a double portion. Is also a part of this mitzvah of Nachala. What it means that Bukhar gets a double portion is that we divide the Nechosim into one more portion than there are amount of people who wrote to take it. So, for example, if there are two brothers, we're going to divide the Nechosim into three. If there are three brothers, we're going to divide the Nechosim into four. And then the Bukhar gets two of those Chalakim, which means it gets an extra portion as of one of the other brothers. However, the Bukhar only takes in those things which the father already has or he owns. However, the future income which the father is going to make or even debts which are owing to the father and haven't yet been paid are not considered his money yet and therefore the Bukhar will only take one portion in those things and not a second portion. <coughs> However, let's say trees which are just going to grow and become bigger so the chalik of the Bukhar in the existing tree is a double chalik and therefore since the tree grows in a uniform way you will get a more of a share of the grown tree as well. The Torah believes the father to tell us who his children are or who the Bukhar is and therefore even if it's different to what we would have thought and we always thought a certain person was his child he's believed to say this is not my child and similarly if we always thought a certain son was the oldest he's believed to point to a different one and tell us that he's the Bukhar. And further din is the din if a person says to somebody I'm giving my Nechosim to you and after it to a third party. So if the person that he originally gave the Nechosim to is somebody who's entitled to inherit them, so then at the end it remains by that person, it's his. Anyway, he had the halachic rights to be a Yerish. However, if he says it to a person who's not necessarily halachically entitled to inherit him, it's given as a gift. And if that's the case, the person has the right to say, I'm giving it to you a gift for a certain amount of time, or even for your lifetime, and after it forever remains, has to be given to a third party. And now it will depend what he says. If he says, I'm giving it to you as a gift, and what remains will be given to a third party, it means if, it, if something remains. And therefore the first beneficiary is allowed to sell it, use it, and if there will be anything left over, it will go to the second one. However, if he says, to, I'm giving it to you a gift, I'm giving it to the second one after you from now, that really means that I'm giving it to the second one, and I'm giving the first one right of usage until he dies or until the second one will get it. And that's the case. Even though the first one has the right to use it, he definitely doesn't have the right to dispose of it or to sell it because it, uh, the, it was given already now to the second individual. However, if the, he's talking about himself, he's I'm giving the chosim to you and after you'll come back to me. If that's the case, when it's negated to a person himself, he doesn't mean not to get his nechosim. And therefore, even if he didn't say me'achshav, we understand that that's what he means. And therefore... The other person has the right to use them, but wouldn't be allowed to sell them. And after the other person dies, the Nechosim would return to the giver. If we're involving three people, which means he tells Reuven, I'm giving it to you, and after you to Shimon, and after Shimon to Levi, then if Shimon would die before Reuven did, so then the would be that since when Reuven dies, there's no Shimon for him to give it to, Levi would never get it, because it was only meant to be given to Levi after Shimon, and since it could never be given to Shimon, it will remain with Reuven. That which we said previously, that if someone will tell a person who is worthy of being a Yeresh, that my Nechosim are given to you, 
if that's the case, they become that person's and they can't be removed from him. Is that even if a person would want to afterwards make a Kodesh, the same thing would apply. Hector should never be able to get a hold of them because once they're given to someone who's ready to be a Yerush, they become his. This mitzvah applies in every place and time, both to men and to ladies, whether they are the ones who died and their property is being given as Yerusha or they're the ones who are there to be Yerush. And if a person is over in this and he is mitzavah, whether he's healthy or is on his deathbed, that those who wrote to Yerushim should not be Yerushim, he's been about this mitzvah saseh. As long as he writes that in the Lashon Yerusha, which will be, as we saw before, the Torah was specific about. A person can give us a gift whatever he wants. Even though the Rambam brings this as one mitzvah, the Ramban adds another two mitzvahs into this category. The first one is regarding a Bukhar, that the Pasuk says that a person has to give the Bukhar a second portion, which the Ramban learns the mitzvah has in its own right. And also, the Pasuk says by the Bukhar that he can't take it away from the Bukhar. The Pasuk says, Kiesa Bukhar, Yakir, and the Yuchal Levachir, he can't make someone else the Bukhar. This will be a mitzvah's loitzah, I say, and that is not to give away the portion belonging to the Bukhar or to make him equal to his other brothers.